Welcome to the Miller Oddcast, a brand new podcast from the Missouri Review. For over 40 years now, TMR has been discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Our quarterly magazine appears in print, digital, and audio formats. Learn more at MissouriReview.com. Hello and welcome to Oddcast number 31. I am Mark McKee, Managing Editor of the Missouri Review, and it is roughly 110 million and 30 turtles o'clock on the internet. We're grateful you're with us, and for this Oddcast, we are featuring Pieces of Grief, Loss in a Pandemic, from Wendy Spitzer, a.k.a. Felix Obelix, the latest finalist for the 2021 Miller Audio Prize in Audio Documentary. We want to note up top that the piece can be emotionally intense, and there are mentions of death and loss. Listener discretion is advised. Wendy Spitzer, a.k.a. Felix Obelix, is an inquiry-based interdisciplinary artist with a diverse output that spans music composition and performance, visual and community art making, audio, research, and modes of participatory inquiry. Her projects often explore themes of time and memory and are executed collaboratively. She has a Bachelor of Music and Performance from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and a Master of Music and Creative Practice from Goldsmiths College, University of London. After time spent in Prague and London, she now lives and makes art in central North Carolina. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Felix Obelix and find out more on her website, felixobelix.com. In her artist notes, Spitzer says, Pieces of Grief, Loss in a Pandemic is the third segment of a seven-segment audio documentary on grief and loss that premiered online in October of 2020. The piece integrates field recordings, anonymous voicemails from community members experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic, archival interviews from folks who survived the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, and original music composed, performed, and recorded by Wendy Spitzer, also known under her artist moniker, Felix Obelix. For the voicemail portions, she set up an anonymous hotline and asked the public to leave messages talking about their experiences with grief during the pandemic. Voices from these two global outbreaks, almost 100 years apart, sit next to each other. The listener is invited to compare and contrast these voices, as well as experience the collapse of the two tragedies across time. As the pandemic recedes, the piece also serves, and will serve into the future, as a kind of auditory time capsule of our months in limbo. All seven segments and more information about the project can be found at felixobelix.com backslash pieces of grief. Stick around after the piece to hear contest editor Bailey Boyd and I consider the piece and weigh its artistry, its honoring of the spectrum of loss in the wake of the pandemic, and the optimism of such an artistic and humane gesture. And now, Pieces of Grief, Loss in a Pandemic. Remember the, in, um, it was around 1918, there was a big flu epidemic? Oh, hey. You did? I did. What was that like? Oh, boy. Mom passed February 24th, and the shutdown pretty much happened March 13th. These COVID times where it's difficult or impossible for loved ones to mourn a loved one, 
We haven't been able to go to the house. I was thinking about how that's sort of similar to having family miles away across an ocean. And when my own dad died suddenly in Greece and I was here in the States, I couldn't immediately connect with my family or attend his funeral. We haven't been able to see her ashes or have a memorial. And that sort of added to the, the feeling of isolation or sort of distance from that loved one. Do you remember this uh, flu epidemic back in 1918? Oh, yes. That is, I lost one sister. Mm-hmm. And recently I lost a couple of uncles too. My dad's brothers, one to COVID and another to a heart attack, just like my dad. And if you had any kind of disease, like heart disease, anything like that, they didn't get over it. Similarly, they're far away and it feels like it didn't happen. But each time I think of them and how someday we'll be allowed to travel again, that I won't be able to see them. I think that's especially hard right now during... COVID, I feel like I have a lot of empathy for people who are grieving right now. Just thinking about grief that it's so isolating, but then also being physically isolated from others. Old families would get down with it, and you couldn't get nobody to go down and wait on them, you know. conflict in my heart because I know there are people suffering more than I am. Grief can seem unnecessary if you are not the person experiencing it. Started with COVID, I invested 18 years of my life in my business. Success in terms of business is time. After 18 years, I finally got my business to a point where I could pay my bills with with feeling (laughs) confident and excited about what I was doing and COVID hit and it just all kind of swept away. Did the businesses close up a while? No, the businesses didn't close up. It's bad for my health to really be around here regularly. And like I said, catching cold, I can't, I get pneumonia, I don't get cold. Being inside a church is full of people sneezing, coughing, all that. What I'm feeling more than the loss of income is that I spent 18 years of my life missing out on friendships and relationships and vacations and I always had to say no because I had to work. I'm killing myself trying to make a living. <laughs> so is there a worse business for you to be in? This the worst one? This about the worst what I got. And this the only thing I do. So that kinda got me in a bind. So I invested all this time and now it's all taken away and I've got eighteen years. It just feels like I wasted it. I'm worried about losing my job during the COVID-19 time. What happened to the mills at then? Was there enough people to... Yeah, yeah, they they kept going. As my company was struggling. What about the mill? Did it close? No, no mill didn't close because they come out to me when I was working and told me my sister was seriously ill and the doctor called them. I got off of work and went and stayed with her till she died. I see Mama and myself and my brother and Mama's brother was all dead one day. That was a heartbreaking thing. The circle was broken then in the family. Mom passed February 24th. And the shutdown pretty much happened March 13th. Since March, the little things have been 
adding up to a larger feeling that is both hidden grief for me, but also results in some confusion and anxiety as well. It's like the losses of all the things that we don't think about very much, like being in a room and hearing lots of voices around us that aren't our own. We're brushing, touch them on one shoulder, give them a hug. We're pushing past someone in a crowd, having this little physical interaction. I mean, the loss of new opportunities, all the possibilities of that have been. Disappeared. Everything was erased. Gone. Negated. All the promises are broken. Gone. All I can say is this is a very hard time. A terrible time. Being in limbo. Hello, Oddcast listeners. I'm joined once again by Bailey Boyd, the contest editor at the Missouri Review. And you have just listened to Pieces of Grief, Loss in a Pandemic, an emotionally intense, artistically designed piece of audio documentary that moves from loss to loss from the perspective of of people who have who have offered their stories sometimes in interviews sometimes anonymously uh, you can see more about the project itself in the show notes but I think from the beginning of the piece we're acquainted with the things that we were all similarly concerned by and, and, and found tragic about the pandemic as it began, right? The loss of life, the loss of loved ones. And there are some very powerful voices from, from the beginning that detail and, and flesh out the implications of not just the grief over the loss of loved ones through falling to, this, to the virus, but to also the isolated grief that is a result of the, the nature of the pandemic itself. And at times even, I think, thinking that, thinking that we need permission, I think, for that grief as well. This is another thing that I, I appreciated th- that this piece brought up as well. It seems like some of those voices were grappling with that. It's even at this stage of the pandemic where it's it's morphed a couple of times and there have been there have been successes and and failures going forward as we continue in the pandemic it's very useful in a media landscape that is littered with kind of obsessive you know rhetorical gestures back and forth between people who have whatever issues they have uh, when it comes to the vaccine say or whatever else it's i think it's exceedingly useful and important to hear the voices of people who have been affected individually and you know as families and as and as communities 
And then the piece goes on to losses that we might be tempted to think of as being lesser or, or minor or merely things that we have taken for granted. I mean, it, it seems to move from mortality to the loss of employment or the loss of you know, small businesses. One of the most compelling centers of the piece for me is the voice of the woman who's put 18 years into a business that was just starting to be able to pay the bills and it was washed away. It feels like, it feels, it makes the pandemic feel like a disaster on the level of a tornado or a, you know, a hurricane or an earthquake where something is there, it's thriving, and then it's gone. Yeah. And even though the structures might still be standing, the the business is not. And I think that's an interesting juxtaposition. That was also an incredibly compelling narrative of this piece for me as well. Hearing, hearing this person speak about speak about those 18 years and thinking about, I think you used the word sacrifices when we were, when we were talking earlier and then wondering, wondering if the, if those 18 years, if that time should have been spent fostering those relationships and maybe not on um, career moves and gosh, that just that thought process of thinking about, you know, the work that you've been doing and wondering if it's quote unquote a waste. It's just, um, yeah, I think it's speaking to those other, those other things, those other things that we might be grieving right now, in addition to the loss of, the loss of other things um, that, that the piece opens with. Yeah. And that, I mean, it brings it to, brings it to light, makes us think about those things a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking and it also, it just makes you, it just, I mean, it makes you keen for all of the voices uh, on this piece, the way in which the effects are so devastating, not just in the moment, not just in the loss of life, but it refracts back toward, you know, through, I mean, it's especially potent in this kind of like 18 year example, because when she's talking about all the choices that she made to to put into her business, uh, to, to put her time and effort into business that she could have put into relationships and to into other experiences. I mean, it's just so devastating that that she and everybody else kind of on this piece has to carry that. I said it was useful before. I think it's a it it serves as a real counter to me to kind of some of the overheated kind of. emergency action media escape you know it's the there it's the pandemic is not a television show right it's not a blockbuster movie it's it's something that is reaching into people's lives and into the lives of all their loved ones and their communities in ways that like we need to understand it moves too from from those kinds of business and employment concerns which were so wrapped up in in this culture as being, you know, these enormous parts of who we are, to what are and other people have taken notice of this, but I think it's particularly effective here in the the artistry of the person, the documentarian, where we miss voices, and these are all voices. There's a certain amount of musical kind of like accompaniment, but it's very minimal and. 
mainly what we're getting is different people's voices collage together to, to generate within us a, a real sense of what the effects of the pandemic are. But it's probably around the voices where the most artistry, at least in this, in this part of the project, comes to the fore. We, we have someone talking about what it's like to uh, recognize that you are not inhabiting spaces where there's a number of other voices that aren't yours. Yes. And as and, and it's, it cues a kind of like uh, all of these voices that have been recorded rising kind of together, which functions for me in these two ways, which I think are extremely important. One, it's reminding us of what we've lost. And it's also at the same time, giving us the sense that it can't be replicated. It's not something that we can have, even when we have this technology that will, that will kind of be able to bring these voices together. It's not the same. It's it's a radically different sense. Right. And I think it also draws, at least for me, kind of drew my attention to that realization that maybe otherwise I um, would have known on some level, but maybe not articulated as well, knowing that, oh yeah, I I I haven't, I haven't heard a whole lot of other right. of other voices. I haven't been in in um, in an environment where there is a backdrop of voices, mm -hmm. um, and because, because there's so many other things that are fighting for our attention right now, mm -hmm. um, and for, for our focus, for our attention, and, and also in some ways for our grief, and, and so this, this piece, I think, does help us look at those, those other things, too, um, and at least name them, um, so the voices in a cafe or in a coffee shop or elsewhere, but also I think there's a mention of, um, you know, just feeling somebody brushing your shoulder as they pass you and realizing that those two are losses. And Yeah, I found that extremely compelling. I mean, it's understated in a way uh, in the piece, um, but not in any way that's that's harmful to the piece. I think it's actually kind of perfect in in how little we noticed it before it went away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we've all talked about like the loss of of being able to hug people, to hug friends, and to hug family. But less attention has been devoted to just being in the same physical space as other people and making space for them or, or, or sometimes brushing them when you when neither one of you have made enough space and how those negotiations are actually part of who we are yeah very much and to and to have them disappear i mean it's it's hard not to it's hard to reckon with the kind of unseen infinity of what those casual strange touches are and I think that's also why, you know, these these other voices from the interviews from almost a century ago um, is also part of part of what this piece is inviting us to to think about is, you know, the the time between, right? Like the how how maybe those things do come back you know and and so yeah this the convergence of of witnesses from the the flu pandemic um, almost 100 years ago 
Um, and, and then the anonymous voices now, um, I think invite us to, to maybe make those um, connections or, and I don't think it asks us, I don't think it guides us in any direction for those connections, but just, just to kind of ruminate on those. Okay, so we have, we have these two experiences and to, to think about the losses in those two ways. I think that is a hopeful way to think about it. And it, 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 it strikes a chord with me because of another thought that I had where near the end of the piece, you get, a, you get these voices again, saying something about how these losses are, are, are actually disappearances. They're, they're felt as disappearances or erasures or a negation of, of who we were perhaps. And I think that regardless of how much power it has to actually shift anything, one of the hopeful aspects of this piece uh, and along the lines of what you're saying about the human potential for the return of these, you know, of what has been lost from us over this period is that just the gesture of making this, this piece mm -hmm. is a resistance to that disappearance, that erasure, that negation. It's making something in the face of, it's taking action as a gesture and uh, a materialized gesture of of insistence on on people's voices and on people's experiences and on their on, on their reality, even in the dark times, those those moments I think are part of what make humans durable, and pandemics endurable to the extent that they can be. Yeah, I think that's also also on the same plane as as hope and being hopeful. So yes. Well, there's been a lot to reflect on here and uh, we thank you for listening with us and we thank you for listening to us. And until the next time that you listen to us, this is Bailey and I waving at the audio. Thanks for, thanks for being with us and thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us on Miller Oddcast number 31, featuring pieces of grief, loss in a pandemic, from Wendy Spitzer, a.k.a. Felix Opelix. Learn more about her and her project at felixopelix.com. Miller Oddcast 32 is on the way, so stay tuned. Thanks to the Missouri Review Contest editor, Bailey Boyd, and to Patricia Miller for her generous support for the Miller Audio Prize. Finally, TMR is open for submissions year-round, and we remain dedicated to discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Be heard. Give us the opportunity to discover you. Subscribe or submit your work today. Learn more at MissouriReview.com.